All right, welcome everybody to the Force Carry Podcast. I'm Jace Cobb, and with me, as always, is Steve Cook and Fats from the Internet. This is a big week for me. This is my favorite kind of early year. It's kind of like the start of golf season for me. Um, the Tory Waste Management, Pebble, Riv, you run all those. You kind of end the vacation circuit for me. The big names start popping up, getting ready for the majors. The Augusta commercials are on, so... It's a good time to uh, be a golf fan. I'm very excited about golf this week. First time since the President's Cup, probably, I've been excited for a, uh, really excited for a golf tournament. So I'm happy. Steve, what have you been up to? Oh, not a lot. Uh, just uh, getting ready to head to New York on Thursday, uh, where it will be never be as cold as it is tonight in South Carolina. So whatever. We uh, Weather's weird. I got to go back to your initial comments about uh, Torrey Pines being the beginning of golf season. <clears throat> I can't help but think that this just smacks of American centric uh, just bias. Uh, you don't respect the Asian swing. You don't respect the Hawaii swing. The only other event that you uh, liked was when the Americans beat the crap out of a bunch of helpless uh, international people in Australia. It's, uh, look, I don't think you're doing it on purpose. I think it's probably inherent bias, but got to be honest with you, it, it just, it smacks of, uh, jingoism. <laughs> I have, I have no argument. I, I, the Asian swing was more vacation, you know, it was the best of the vacation tour, but yes, uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back on the, uh, continental United States for a, a good tournament <laughs> with some big, uh, players. So Fats, what you been up to? I'm dealing with the same stuff Steve is dealing with. The weather has finally got the best of me. My body's going haywire. I'm about to lose my voice. So I've got, took me a nice big swig of Robitussin right before I jumped on here. Mm -hmm. I've got me some nice tea. Sure. I'm going to get loose. Like, we, we keep going late enough. God knows what I'll be saying later. You set part, and there is... Everyone needs to know this. If you need to, you need to figure out the lay of the land around you. There's an urgent care place about 15 minutes from my house that I know I can go to, and apparently that is the place where all of just the addicts go. Because I've only been there once, and I stopped there late on a Friday evening because I knew no one else close to my house was going to be open. So I went in there, just a normal, um, just one like a strep test or something basic. They gave me muscle relaxers, um, codeine cough syrup, and something else that I can't even remember. And the doctor talked to me for all of about 90 seconds. And apparently he thought, uh, this is just some junkie coming in here, um, making up some excuse just to try to get whatever medicine. So I'm just going to give him what he wants and get him out of my hair. So I may have to go to that place in a couple of days if, if I'm still not feeling better and really enjoy the tournament this weekend. Oh, well, congratulations. I mean, that's that's a rare find. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm an adult. I have a general care physician um, who's known me for a while. I just call him and pretty much tell him whatever I want. I don't usually ask for narcotics, but I'm sure if I called and asked for codeine, he'd, he'd write a write a script for it. Uh, can you delete all this? Uh, because I'm pretty sure this can be used against us all in a court of law. I'm fairly certain it's, it's a shame we're not playing the houston open this week and, and fats would be very on brand um with with the perp in his drink but uh the, the tijuana open is what this sounds like <laughs> uh I, I i texted steve actually played some golf this weekend that was a interesting development played 16 holes on friday ran out of sunlight then played 18 on sunday it was about 30 degrees which is about 20 degrees below my low number that i usually uh, play golf at so I wouldn't say that was fun but I, I was happy to get out there and play uh, I got to hit some of the new clubs that have come out so that was exciting have you got to hit any new um of this year's stuff Steve I, a lot of the demo drivers are out and some of the irons or whatnot are poking around I don't know if you'd hit any of the new stuff yet no I haven't I haven't anything new I usually wait till I just kind of got some new stuff but I'm kind of going to wait until the spring and, and see what else. I really almost hit, bought those new Titleist irons, the T, I like the T200s. But, man, I literally play golf once a month this time of year, even though the weather is usually okay. And it's just hard for me to, you know, go out there and do it and then has to just sit there and stare at them in the closet. So I'll probably wait till March, April 
around the time everybody else in the world is going to buy a new yeah. club. So, um, but I know, I've got my stuff all fit. All I got to do is press a couple buttons and put it on the Amex, and it'll come. So, I'm I'm ready to pull the trigger in April. Yeah, I'm going to get a new driver this year. I don't know. I don't make a lot of uh, equipment changes, uh, but I will be getting a new driver. I hadn't figured out what yet. Um, oh, I thought you had uh, you had pretty much locked in on something. Well, I, yeah, I, I I like the new Cobra just because it comes short um, stock off the rack and heavier, and that's kind of more up my alley. So, but uh, I've got a buddy that hit that new Maverick Callaway drop. Pretty much, if anybody wants to shoot us out, <laughs> I'll play whatever driver that's willing to uh, throw a sponsorship on the uh, Force Carry podcast. So uh, I have no brand loyalty at all. So and I'll. I'll play whatever, but I did get to go ahead. I think that Cobra, you know, a lot of people, you know, you get fit and everything, you know, you look at your numbers, that's all great. But sometimes it depends on, you know, what you're comfortable with. I got a feeling you're trying to mirror your bag into Bryson's and I don't want to, I just don't want to hear about you having the same length uh, irons or I'm going to be, we're going to have to have an intervention. (laughs) Do you weigh enough to hit a Cobra? Uh, Absolutely not. I think there is a a weight. Well, Ricky plays one, but if you see me start changing grips to the uh, fat max or whatever grips he plays, you know, then it might be time to step in and and say something. Or if I get a Kangol hat or any, any of those type things. So I was going to tell you, I was looking, I was also excited. I was starting to plan my season of tournaments that I might play, and they opened up uh, Dallas National for a amateur qualifier, and that's a not an easy course. Well, not an easy course at all to play, and a very awesome course, probably the best course in Texas. Um, Spee's a member there. Romo's a member there. Tons of people are members there. So it's kind of cool that they're actually having an amateur tournament there. So, you know, they're having one down the road in Lubbock at the Rawls, a Tom Doak course that I've played a hundred times. And that would be my best chance to play good, but I'm not in any kind of delusions of grandeur that I'm going to compete in this, in the, any of these tournaments. I just want to go play good courses. So I think I'm going to make a trip to Dallas and get on Dallas national. That'd be a, about the only way I'd ever play it. So be well worth the $75 or hundred dollar entry fee. That's for sure. Who, who's caddying for you? I don't know. I don't have a caddy. You make your wife do it. Uh, yeah, she'd be a good caddy. Last time I played in those, I played with like a kid from Baylor and a kid that played at A and M, and they were like twenty, and I was thirty-two, and <laughs> we had next to nothing in common. They they were talking about stuff that twenty-year-olds talk about, and I had two kids, and you know, we well, didn't we didn't really have a lot to talk about on the golf course. But well, I, I am guilty of uh, showing up to a golf course dressed above my handicap or below. Maybe you want to put it, you know, like oh yeah. I like the gear, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I've never done this, but I I I would uh I'd show up and look like a pro caddy for you if you want. You know, like hungover as shit, you know, uh uh not shaven, you know, <laughs> t-shirt on. Uh I I'm sure they don't require a uniform. I'll I'll just bring white overalls, you know, mm. roll them up at the bottom like Stevie used to do. So if you need a caddy, um, I'm down to come to, to Dallas national, get drunk at night, fist fight people in bars and then limp into your tea time and meet you at the range and clean your club. So just keep it in mind. And I'm not even joking around. It's it would be a good excuse for me to, uh, to just experience a little different slice of life. Apparently I'm a caddy and never even knew it until right now, because you just described like an ideal weekend for me. Like you just roll I've, into I've got job. multiple I've got multiple overalls. Uh, I don't know when the last time I shaved or cut my hair was. Uh, I could come out right now and and be perfectly uh, in place. And with Look, your numbers. You, yeah. All you got to do is say things like, uh, "I like the hard eight or easy seven, <laughs> or nice and smooth." So make all sure right. you fade it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, the thing about the fade. You got to make sure you fade it. Uh, I'm telling you, I could do it. You know, you just say, hey, Steve, uh, I don't know, should I fly it all the way there? Or, you know, uh, yeah, whatever feels good. And just like, just walk away and stand behind the bag confidently. I, I'm not even joking. I really feel like I could be a good caddy. I think it's, uh, I think it's right in my wheelhouse. And sounds like it's right in the Fats' wheelhouse, except for, I don't know if he knows what golf clubs look like, the difference between a seven and a wedge, that kind of thing. 
Now, if you if you took the numbers off, it don't have degrees on there like the we talked about in one of the hipster pods. Oh, yeah. You're gonna have to give me numerals on your clubs if you want me to hand you what you're asking for. The, and just not knowing like golf etiquette would be hilarious. <laughs> You'd be out there just doing all kinds of random stuff. Oh, that'd be yeah. One of my this is weird, but one of my daughters, my eight year old daughter's favorite movies is Billy Madison. Uh, I'm sorry, Happy. Well, Bill and Happy Gilmore. She loves Adam Sandler's whatever. So we watch Happy Gilmore like literally once a month. And uh, there's a scene where he gets that bum caddy, you know, the oh, guy yeah. I was watching, and and the guy's just like standing like next to the hole. And the guy's like, "Excuse me, I'm trying to putt." Like that would be fun. I could, you know, I didn't even think about. It. I could probably get you two or three strokes on your playing competitors. Yeah, if, uh, get in their head. Now, that's not something you want. You don't want to get branded as that guy. Just. It doesn't matter. Let, let me do a legitimate caddy job here, and uh, I can't. I can't wait till after the round and you shoot like a seventy-six and you're out of the money or whatever. And I'm just like, mother, <laughs> dude, you're, if you just listen to me and hit the ball where I told you to, we be and maybe I. Who knows? Maybe I pick up an up-and-coming player and I start a new career, ditch my family, and uh, loop for the rest of my life. You know? Hey, that's a good idea. And there's a good chance Romo could play in it, and maybe, maybe we can get him on the podcast, talk to him about some amateur golf, so make friends with him. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to see if he's got any uh, nude pics of Jessica Simpson in her prime. You know what I'm saying? He's got to. You don't, you don't throw that kind of material away. No way. <laughs> so I'm thinking. <laughs> there's no way. Again, it was the second time in a row we've uh, broken the law so far on this podcast because I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. So we should move it right along. Okay. Um, speaking of, I guess we can talk before we get into, um, the PGA event, Steve, you said you watched a lot of the European event this week. You got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I still think it's European golf, especially when it's got a strong feel with uh, some Americans is compelling to me. I, I love the, uh, I just love this. They just, it seems to be a different style, the way people carry themselves. They play faster. It seems like, and they just, a little more no nonsense. The camera angles are good. It just seems to be more about golf and less about bullshit graphics, which you seem to get on on a lot of these big productions, which you will see a ton of this weekend, I'm sure. But um, Lee Westwood has always been kind of one of my favorite players. He's a just seems like a a cool guy. Uh, I mean, I think before the tournament, you know, they said, "Hey, have you been practicing?" He's like, "Absolutely not." Uh, so this just goes to show you, don't practice, you might win a golf tournament. But I woke up at like. 3.30 in the morning on, I guess it was Saturday night, Sunday morning, I guess, and just woke up and was like, oh, golf's on. So I got up and went and, and watched a little bit on TV and uh, got a chance to see most of his uh, finishing round. And uh, he's solid, man. He's going to be, a, he's gonna be a, a force to be reckoned with in the, in the Masters, I think. Guy always plays well at the Masters, and uh, he just hits the ball so damn well. Hits it good. Um, and drives the ball really good too, right? I mean, you might know more about that, Hits Jason. I do, but I mean, yeah, all around. I mean, is, is the knocks always his putting, and you know, chipping. maybe putting and Both. chipping is bad. Yeah, so that well, that's not a good recipe for Augusta. So who knows why? But uh, he's he's what is he top ten almost every time he plays there. Uh-huh. So uh, I, I like his chances there, and uh, just good to see a guy like that. It's almost like a good a good story. It just you know, as an aging man myself, not quite that old. It's nice to see that you know, it's kind of a tiger like story in the sense that you know. He might be as good as he's ever been right now. Yeah, good for Lee. I think everybody was happy for him. You'd be hard-pressed to find a golfer that doesn't like – I mean, you'd have to try not to like Lee Westwood. There'd have to be some kind of different circumstance for somebody not to like Lee. So, First player to win a um, golf tournament in the t- 2020s, whatever we're calling this, 10s, aughts, and 90s. Four decades. What do you think? Yeah, so Tiger will probably match that in the next couple months, hopefully. But um, Phil, maybe first guy. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Phil's not winning anything until uh, until maybe he lumbers onto the senior tour. But he's uh, he's done. Yeah, who else would would there even be another golfer that would have a chance to do that? DJ. He didn't win one in the nineties. Yeah, he won in the nineties, but he's not going to win anytime soon i mean he had a top 10 in the last three years i think it's only yeah but you're right that's that's about it i mean are you saying vj or dj vj oh i'm saying dj it's like no okay vj yeah he can i'm just trying that's a long that's a small group of people that could have won in the 90s and still won. how old was lee then did sergio win any in the 90s no i don't well uh i don't know i don't think so uh because that 2000 
uh, was like his first like little was spurt. Was it two thousand? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, Westwood's like forty seven. Wow. So yeah. good for Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Fats, do you watch any of it? Very little. Um, uh, happy for Lee, as both of you have already said. The um, a couple of things just about the Euro Tour tournaments in general. I definitely agree with Steve. If you want to watch, like actually watch golf, you're going to see way more golf, way more golfers, way more golf shots. If you watch a Euro Tour event, I love the way they do the production there. I wish we could take more of that here, but for whatever reason, we just don't do that with the American uh, broadcast networks. With the tournament this week, just one quick little point. I, I don't have anything to break it down or give any kind of update, but there is kind of a correlation between this week's winner and Augusta. I believe Sergio won the tournament coming up this week, the year he won the Masters. Willett won the tournament coming up this week, the year he won the Masters. So just something to keep an eye on this week for guys who win or play well this week. Maybe looking forward towards Augusta. Don't know if there's a correlation or carryover between this course or just guys kind of use it as a jumping off point for their season, but just something to keep an eye on. Good tidbit. Which course? Where is it? No, no, no clue. No clue. Tournament this week? Yeah. You can look I, uh, yeah. Euro Tour. This is uh, when there's no uh, Lee Westwood over there. Nobody cares about the European Tour, I guess. I wonder how Robert Rock uh, played last week. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see his name trending on the leaderboard. So. Do you know who Lee Westwood has been getting lessons from? Robert Rock. Really? Weird that a current player is out there doing that, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the buzz on the street. Is he taking over like the Str- the Steve Stricker role for the year? He he went on that run where he was helping everybody with their short game let's, and their putting. Let's don't put Robert Rock and Steve Stricker in the same category here. That's like putting Steve Buscemi and Brad Pitt in the same category. <laughs> not not in that category. Just the uh, you know helping out the younger guy, giving give him some lessons type game. So. Anybody watch the what was the other one the Tommy Two Loves? <laughs> uh, good, good for Tommy. Did did we catch that on the last pod? Oh, he was he was uh we, we final round was after our last podcast. So uh, oh, yes. uh, it was he was leading after round three when we were recording last week. Oh, the middle capacity closed it out the next day. Man, good for him. Good for Tommy. What uh, was you? You had a pretty classic tweet on this, Jace. I'm forgetting what it was, but. Oh yeah, if both gloves fit, you must acquit. That's what I, that's, that's what I said. Got got a couple couple people like that one, so that was a good one. The, the other, uh, the Singapore Open was last week too, and uh, old Matt Kuchar uh, pulled off. You know, if there's a guy who needs another million dollars, it's Matt Kuchar. Did Kuchar did we really? figure out? Did we figure out how much he tipped his caddy? Uh, I, not, I think that it was his normal caddy, but instead of dollars, he paid him out in, uh, I don't know what the hell Singapore's currency is. It's probably, probably something fine. Well, I hope, I for one hope that Lee can continue this good play in and get him on a Ryder cup team, (laughs) get Phil, get Tiger, get them all back for one more, uh, one more shot at the Ryder cup. It'd be cool to see. Go ahead. You can say something. Well, and that is. That is something that I did not really think about. We've talked about it from a U.S. perspective, how we want Tiger's going to be on the team. But it, it would be good to see Phil on the team. At Sony on the round four, they kept talking over and over about how important it is uh, for Graham McDowell. He wants to play well this year. He wants to make another Ryder Cup team. Same with Lee Westwood. I'm sure he wants to make another Ryder Cup team. There are some guys who are kind of an old guard on the Euro side that are also fighting to make one or two last teams Poulter. and uh, Poulter just, and just from the, the, the romantic in me would like to, uh, there's going to be plenty of time for the Wolves and the Morikawas and the Hoblins and all of those guys, but it would be nice to see some of the old guard one last time and beat the brakes off of them in America and then send them on their way. Which is an opinion that we've hated for years. We've been trying to get rid of the old guard for two or three Ryder Cups now, but this year we're making an exception because they're almost done. What were you going to say, Steve? Uh, I just was uh, making sure I was right about Robert Rock. Robert Rock is a favorite. If you're not a 
heavy listener to this podcast. Robert Rock's one of our favorites. He might be he might be in the Bryson category of our top three. Anyway, I think so. yeah. can I just give you a little information here since you guys didn't realize he was a swing coach in Europe? Yeah, He's please. got two main students. Okay, Lee Westwood and the other one, Wallace. What's wrong with me? Where's his, Matt Wallace, Matt, Matt right? Matt Wallace, wow. Okay, so Rock solid. apparently, so just listen to Robert Rock's golf swing sort of philosophy and just compare it. Pull up a picture of Robert Rock and stare at it while I read this, okay? Okay. <clears throat> really let, me go, let me go pull a picture out of my nightstand <laughs> real quick. Just you've got one in your spank bank. <laughs> okay. Um, a really good golf swing tends to look quite nice, but it doesn't have to. If you're careful to organize the bits that matter, you can make just about anything work. I don't want to be the sort of coach that uses endless devices to help a player. TrackMan doesn't have ears which is why I like to work on what the players are doing. What an old school, I mean, that is just uh, mm. a really uh, unique sort of setup. And then listen to this, what Wallace says about him. Uh, this has got to be uh, self-deprecating because Wallace has to know the, uh, the absurdity of this. Um, Wallace, about Rock, he's older than me, he's uglier than me, but he does have great hair. I can't imagine what he has lost in hat endorsements. I mean, that's a pretty sick burn for a student to a coach. But he can't imagine that he's better looking than Robert Rock, can he? No. That's all. Okay. All right. And I feel uh, like I know. I know you have to have a certain amount of whatever to be a professional golfer, but you can't possibly believe Matt Wallace that you are better looking than Robert Rock. I fully believe that Robert Rock also doubles as like a relationship coach, and he uses that same exact <laughs> word for word quote <laughs> and just turns it around when he's talking about um. You know, being romantic with a woman as well. I can envision them yeah. saying that in a million different scenarios. No need for all the fancy equipment. Just use your ears. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Track uh, man doesn't have ears. I mean, that should be. He should wear that on a on a get that tattooed on his forearm or something. Anyway, sorry to, to sidetrack the podcast, but Robert we, Rock, I'm gonna have to track that a little bit. I might have to go get lessons from Robert Rock. Ooh, <laughs> that's a lot of pressure there, Steve. I don't know. Uh. I'll wear my hat the whole time. I can assure you of that. Yeah. Uh, U.S. tournament, anything stick out to you fast? Did you watch it? The American Express? I watched a good bit of it, but kind of like I said last week, it it's just a crapshoot. It's one of those guys where I hate, I just hate tournaments that go 25, 26, 27 under. It, it's em. almost impossible to handicap. Said last week that it's going to be a birdie fest and some guy might as well be 301 is going to win. It wasn't quite 301, but I think Landry was, he was anywhere from 175 up to 225 to one and 224th on tour strokes came putting coming into the week. Oh, and at some point early in the round on Sunday, he was leading the event and putting. It's just one of those guys where, and, and I like Andrew Landry fine, but at a tournament like that, somebody's going to get hot with a putter and your guess is as good as mine who it's ever going to be. Uh, that's why it's another reason that I like this event so much this week, because there is a definite recipe for what you need to do to play well at Tory. It's just a, a matter of there's only a couple of guys in the world who can do it. Can, can we talk about Andrew Landry for just a second? Specifically his sponsor. Oh yeah. Who we got uh, over his right uh, sort of like chest. It's a company called Dosh, D-O-S-H. And I just can't, I can't see him on TV without thinking he's got douche written across his chest. <laughs> I, I would, I don't care how much they're paying him. It's not enough. I mean, Dosh apparently is some app that you get cash back when you mm. use your credit card at certain places, whatever, who cares? But it looks like douche. Am I wrong? No, y'all didn't they notice that? They should sponsor Sergio. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. I didn't mean to set you up like that, but uh, there you go. When was the last time Andrew Landry made a cut? If you're the two, if you're basically the worst putter on tour, you can't be making a lot of money uh, playing golf. I wonder if you could pull that up because I can't imagine it being any good. I was my boy answer almost forced to come back. Speaking of sponsors, West Texas own Wildcat Oil Tools and uh, whatever else he's sponsored by. But good for him. He played good, put a good. But I'm like you. I, I have a hard time. Sticking with those tournaments for too long, especially like that, 
nobody's picking him to win outside of his family. So, um, you know, I, I think I think I've decided that I uh, I hate golf tournaments that do not play on the same golf course for four rounds. I just don't like it. Um, I'm with you. It's it, it's confusing. It's just you know. I know that I know why they do it and I get it like Pebble Beach that one tournament where they they rotated around the spyglass and all that. I mean it's I get it but it's just this week the the golf the golf tournament is about the golf course in a lot of ways and for you not to know where the hell I mean if 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 somebody goes out tomorrow and shoots a 68 and another guy shoots a 71 boom, but he, this guy was on this course and this guy was on the other like it's just bullshit I I don't I don't uh it just makes it unnecessarily confusing, and I assume it's just to shove more players in the field is really the only reason um, they do it. And I, I hate it. I don't like it. Real quick on Landry, he had missed five straight cuts and seven of his last eight, Perfect. and then one. But it's the same thing. Last year he won Valero. He had missed four straight cuts, then took seven weeks off, came back with a T42, and won the week after that. He's just a guy like that. Something that I kind of look at, and I've talked about before from a gambling DraftKings perspective, it is easier for elite ball strikers to just catch fire one week with the putter than it is for a guy who has a great short game to all of a sudden hit his irons well enough to win an event like this. So it's why a lot of times you're playing these big tournaments on DraftKings. You're, you're going to sprinkle in guys like that with elite ball striking skills and just pray they get hot with a putter one week. Um, but I mean, didn't do me any good last week because I hated that tournament. I barely uh, gambled anything on it. Didn't do much of anything on DraftKings because um, it's just a trash event. <laughs> it is. I, I guess I'm assuming I took a commanding lead in our uh, one and done. League. Oh, uh, absolutely. Mm. It, was, it was like 730K, I think, for a solo second. A lot of times... You don't see many people T2. get the yeah. solo second. Yeah, it's T two, four guys solo se- or four guys tied for second. But yeah, you're up uh, eight hundred and forty six k. Steve is looking at around one hundred thirty eight k, and Nate Lashley withdrew. So, but <laughs> him with Matt Kuchar's miscut, and I'm still sitting on a nice zero after two weeks. Ooh, that's a that's well, yeah. plenty of golf. My guy, my guy squeezed in at T forty three. Not exactly impressive, but you know, keep making cuts. Hey, I got a. Hey, I don't have to use Vaughn Taylor the rest of the year, okay? And that's going to be hard to <laughs> it's gonna not be hard use, to resist. Yeah, with Vaughn dangling out there, it's going to be hard not to uh, want to play him. But oh well, made a choice. Um, I guess, like you said, fast. This is a, this is a good tournament. I'm not. The, I love this tournament. I'm not the biggest Tory fan. I think Tory gets a little overrated just because of how awesome Tiger's U.S. Open win at Tory was. Um, it's not one of my favorite West Coast courses at all. Um, I don't like the wall-to-wall rough type setups like that. There's not a lot of interesting holes, really. However, all that being said, like we have talked about, to me it's kind of the, sig- the, the start of golf season. For whatever reason, Steve has his own theories of why I think that. But um, I'm very excited. you got a, a few of the big guns showing up. We talked some of the big guns aren't playing this week. You know, I, I guess it's just because... You know, you got waste management. They some of those younger guys seem to prefer that tournament. That's not something that Tiger's going to go play at, probably. Uh, so, and a lot of guys coming back from from Europe in the Middle sure. East that probably are not going to do it. Sure. And then they got Riv, everybody's favorite course on tour, uh, coming up. Genesis is soon. Pebbles soon. I mean, all that stuff's kind of coming up. So, it's a lot of golf to play. A lot of good courses. You know, starts to get into the meat of the season. So I'm excited. And like Fat says, it's usually, usually from what I can remember, good players um, in this tournament um, have a chance to win. Usually, I remember not too long ago, Chad had a last round lead, like maybe three or four years ago, shot like 80, or 78 or something on the fourth day, on the last day. Uh, that wasn't that wasn't a good memory. But most of the time, it's good players. So, betting wise and all that, Fats, what do you, what what can you tell us? What are you looking at this week, course wise and all that? So just running through some of the recent winners, like you said, last year was Justin Rose at 21 under. The year before that was Jason Day, but at 10 under. The the Rose getting all the way to 21 was kind of an outlier. The the course usually does not play that easy. Uh, 2017, John Rahm. Snedeker in 2016, and that was the year where 
it was just ridiculous wind mm-hmm. where he went out early on Sunday, set a score. They they ended up coming off the course and had to come back for a Monday finish, and everyone was just coming back to earth. And he ended up finishing on Sunday and watching everyone just fall beneath him to win. So you kind of could throw 2016 out looking at it. Day again in 2015. And it's not really till you get to Scott Stallings in 2014 that you have kind of a rando winner. Then Tiger the year before that in 2013. Tiger's won here eight times, which makes sense because when you look at kind of that recipe that I talked about earlier, it's basically Tiger in his prime. Uh, you have to bomb it off the tee. These these fairways are impossible to hit. They're the hardest to hit on tour. So you're hitting a lot of long irons into smallish greens, and you just have to scramble your dick off, which Tiger, in his prime, that's what he did. He bombed it off the tee. He was the best long iron player in the game, and he scrambled like crazy. The course, they're kind of, I mean, it plays long anyway, but they're kind of preparing it for next year's U.S. Open. So they actually lengthened it a little already this year, moving some tees back. So the south course is going to play at 7,765 yards this week. This is the longest course that they've ever played on tour. The first two rounds, they'll split it between the north course and the south course. The north course is a little easier, shorter, Uh, bent greens but then the south course is where they'll play one of the first two rounds and then both weekend rounds the south course is the course that everyone thinks of when they think of tory pines it's got poa greens the kakuya rough the rough won't be overly long or penal but the course is so long to begin with that with the fairways being so hard to hit it just it adds just that much more length to it hitting so many long irons out of the rough. You mentioned earlier the wall-to-wall rough everywhere. Steve, I believe, has talked about it before. It's just, it's rough all over the place here. So, to think of a guy who has all of the tools that it takes to play here, someone who's going to bomb it off the tee, like, usually they do not have just elite, elite short games. And then the guys who have elite short games usually do not have the length to compete here. So I really think you're you're dealing with a small handful of guys who even have the skill set to win here in a field this strong. So from a gambling perspective, it makes it tough because that I don't really see any long shot odds or that even have much of a chance to compete. Rory's the favorite at six to one. Rom at seven and a half to one. And those that they, they make sense are two of, if not the two best players in the world right now. Tiger is at eleven to one, and Tiger has had great success here. I don't know that he has quite as much length off the tee to compete here over four days, especially coming um he, he played great at the President's Cup. He was the best player there. Didn't necessarily need to be overly long off the tee to play well there. At the Zozo, he won there. I, sound you can never write Tiger off at Tory, but I am not on him this week at eleven to one. Justin Rose is next, sixteen to one. Uh, defending champion coming back from Singapore is the only kind of um, thing that would give me pause. Xander is at sixteen to one. Xander, San Diego guy, it, he has the game to play here, but has never played well here. He missed his first three cuts, finally made the cut last year and finished T25, I think. I don't know if it's a hometown thing, a pressure thing, a guy just um, has so many other off-the-course distractions that he can't play well here. I I don't know, but he just doesn't have the success here in the past. The first guy that I really would consider betting and you're going to cringe when I say this name, but it's Hideki at 18 to 1. Hideki has a sneaky good short game. He, he's top 12 last year, scrambling and around the green. And he is, uh, he's around the top 30 or so driving distance. He hits it long enough to compete here, hits it high enough that he can try to hold some of these greens coming out of the rough. And he has an elite short game around the green. So 
If you're not going to bet Rory at six to one, I think Hideki makes the most sense at where you would want to start uh, looking for a gambling perspective. But then you go down too far below that, and there aren't really any other numbers that I really jump out as great value. Finau plays well here, but Finau never wins. He's 25 to one. I don't know that you want to bet Finau at 25 to one. Sanjay M, he's a fit here, but another guy who's never won on tour at 28 to one. I'm I'm kind of off of the. I want to see how more and Scheffler play this week because I believe they both should fit here, but I want to see it before I would put money on it. Jason Day at 40 to one is intriguing, but I, I'm not but putting money on Jason Day. He hasn't, he's got to show me he's healthy. And I don't know that he's had a top 10 since maybe April of last year. He's just played too bad for too long. So even though he's a perfect fit for this course, he's won here twice, a couple other uh, top fives because he does have that recipe, mashes it off the tee and has an elite short game. But I can't, I can't, I can't put my money on him at 41. And below that, maybe Mark Leishman at 45 to 1. And then maybe if you want to throw a complete flyer, Wolf at 70 to 1 could be just so good off of the tee that he's able to compete. I don't know how good he is going to do around these greens, though. But at 70 to 1, I, I would rather take a flyer on that than at a Morikawa at 30 to 1 or Scheffler at 35 to 1. And then Bubba at 90 to 1, just because who knows with Bubba. He's won here before. Bubba wins at courses where he plays well. He's going to mash it off the tee. Uh, he's got a very inconsistent short game, but at the courses where he plays well, he plays well around those greens. I don't know why he hasn't played here. I don't think he's played here since 2014, and I don't know why. It was some Bubba mental thing, I'm sure, where he just decided he didn't want to play here, even though he had won here before. But he's back this year. Um, Bubba at 90 to 1, he has win equity that other guys at these numbers just don't have. But I really think I'm not going to go too far below Hideki at 18 to 1. And then it's just a question of whether. Rory at six to one is something that I could stomach or not. Yeah, and back to the Wolf deal too. California golfers play good in California, um, always have. So he his name popped in my head. Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that he can win or not. But he can bomb it. California kid, dynamic off the tee might might be enough to play well. I looked over. And I know you say the long guys obviously have an advantage there, but there have been some winners in the last few years that aren't exactly long and some top three to fives that definitely aren't long too. So I guess there's other ways to get around it, but I don't know. I'm with you. A course like this. Snedeker, Snedeker is the definite outlier. He's won here twice, but he it's all around the green and scrambling with him. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, I just think the – length is going to win out more often than not unless you just have an amazing week around and on these greens or if the weather goes berserk and then it's just a crap exactly shoot. yeah which can happen and usually not to usually you get one bad round it seems like uh out here before the week's over steve you liking anything anybody in this uh tournament yeah, I mean, it's loaded, so you can't really pick wrong. I, I just honestly can't believe that Fats didn't at least take a, a chonk at Duffner at 350-1. to one. I mean, 350-1. to one. <laughs> for, a, for a major, should-be two-time major champion? Throw five bucks on it, man. Yeah. Uh, and how about Hunter Mahan? Is he still, he's still alive at 1,000-1. to one. Uh, uh, a, a couple guys I like are... Uh, Patrick Reed always seems to play. He's not long, but he always plays good in these long, tough, brutal sort of green in regulation contests. I like him. You didn't mention him, so I did. Um, and then, you know, nobody mentioned Morikawa. He's playing with Tiger the first two rounds. You know, those guys, everybody that's young now, and I, I mean the 25 and below guys, 
you talk about, oh, you got to be long. They're all, they're all long enough, right? I mean, there's nobody you really that's come up is not long enough. I mean, so I like that. Uh, I, I, you know, I think uh, I think Jordan Spieth has the potential to play good here. You know, I'm going to continue saying that until he until uh, he makes a cut. Um, but I don't know, just a couple. Of, you, you hit on so much stuff, Fats. That's just all, all. The only thing I didn't hear is Patrick Reed. Now I love him on long, tough courses. And and Reed is he's the Snedeker guy who can get up and down all week long from everywhere, and all of a sudden he's the one standing there at the end just because he scrambled so well all week long. Yeah, are you what, doing? Uh, any, go ahead. Are we doing picks or anything yet? Or are we gonna uh, wait till we, we do all that yet? Or we're, I was gonna the, I was the, gonna see if Fast is gonna do any DraftKings stuff this week or no. I I will a little bit. I I think you have to kind of plant your flag on the guys at the top, and I still am thinking through that. Rory's the most expensive guy in the field at eleven six. Rom at eleven three. I. I I think I lean, I'm leaning Rory over Rom at the top, top. Tiger at 10-8, I'm just going to fade. Rose at 10-3 is interesting because I think he will be the one who goes overlooked in this range. Even as the defending champion, I think people just don't like Justin Rose. I don't like Justin Rose particularly. So Xander at 10-1, everyone loves Xander. Everyone is going to play Hideki at, at 9,900. So... You've got Tiger above Rose, then Xander and Hideki right below him. Uh, Just from a standpoint of trying to get a little leverage over the field, Rose may be the way to go. Um, I just have to decide if I can stomach going with Justin Rose, even though I don't don't know why all these players who are great players that I've said before, I want as many great players playing well as possible. It's just something about Justin Rose. He's the one guy who has an elite skill set that I just don't want to see play well, and I don't know why. I'm with you. Um, I have no clue why either. I have no reason uh, it, not to like him. I just don't like him for whatever reason uh, it is. He he seems like a, a nice enough yeah. guy, but there's just something about him that I don't like watching. So I, if I go all the way to the top at Rory... I'm going to have to find some cheapos at the bottom to squeeze in. So we'll see if I can find enough guys in the low 6,000 range or really the upper 6,000 range that I like building a full six-man lineup with Rory, then I'm rolling with Rory. If not, then I'm probably going to drop all the way down to Hideki, start a lineup there, um, squeeze in either maybe a Sanjay Sanjay Day Morikawa sitting there at 9,100, 9,800. Drop down there for a second guy, and then I should be able to fill out the lineup with guys in the upper seven, lower eight range and just kind of go with a more balanced approach. I just think you give up a lot of win equity doing that when you're looking at Rory, Rom, Rose up there at the top, and though they are so so strong and such a good fit for this course. I'm not sure that you can avoid all three of them. So if, if you ask me to pick, I Rory is my pick to win. He can pass Brooks to reclaim the number one spot in the world golf rankings. If he wins this week, Rory would be my pick to win. And I don't know if y'all are ready to do one and done or not, but I'm going to go with Hideki. Uh, as my one and done pick, and I feel like I'll at least make a dollar this week. Okay, Steve, who do you pick to win, and who are you picking for your one and done? I'll take Rom to win. Uh, he is uh, on Data Golf. The uh, his course history, like strokes gained, is far and beyond the best of anybody. Uh, it's he's at two point four nine. Next best is Finau at two point oh four. That's a pretty significant on you know. A, you you got a ton of guys stacked up after that, but I mean, to me, I'll take Rom to win. Um, for one and done, you know, I got I've been taking all these scrubs that I was never going to take, and I'm starting to think, what happens when I wait till the end of the season and uh, somebody? I think I need to start burning some horses here. Okay, I don't mean to talk my strategy out loud, but um, ah, screw it, I'll take V now. Okay. Fee now, fee now for one and done. I like it. Um, 
Let's see. I, I'm going to pick Colin Morikawa to win this week. And I am going to take... I'm trying to decide between... i got two guys in my mind for one and done. I've got Ryan Palmer and I've got Keegan Bradley. But I'm going to go with Keegan Bradley to start his Ryder Cup push this year. I know he's a big... One of the most underrated Ryder Cup uh, guys in a while. I know he wants to play in it again. I don't know that he's good enough to. He's a great, great, great driver of the golf ball. Um, this is a course that suits good drivers. I like Ryan Palmer because he also drives it well and he hits it good in the wind, all that stuff. I like Ryan Palmer. I think he's going to play well. But I'm going to choose Keegan as my one-and-done final answer and Colin Morikawa to win. Um, I don't know that I feel great about Morikawa to win, but there's there's like eight people that uh, I could pick that I have a good feeling about winning. But I'm going to go with Colin Morikawa, you know, I don't know if he can just putt good. He hits it. He just hits it so incredible. It's it's uh, unbelievable. I'll be anxious. To, I hope Tiger and him are a featured group. Surely at some point they will be. I would love to watch both of them hit some irons oh, around you, that course. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? That group. I mean, I I I got an erection when I saw this come out. Uh, John Rom, Tiger Woods, Colin Morikawa. I don't know how. I mean, they're going to have the camera on that group the whole time. That would be a hell of a bet to see. You know low score in that group. I mean, I, I think honestly you don't take Tiger in round one. He's just usually not a fast starter. But uh I don't know. I mean that that would be a hard bet. I mean who are you betting on? Round, I mean, round one. Yeah. He's a he's a fast starter, right? Yeah. That's that's who uh but I don't know. Yeah. I'll it, watch every shot of that. That that, that would I would be fine just watching those guys hit every golf shot and not watching anything else in the first second round. Yeah. And on round one, they're starting on the north course. Oh. And that's just another tidbit. They usually win until, it? Un, until last year, eight straight winners had started on the south. Rose started on the north last year. I, I don't know what it is about that, but it's just something about Interesting. one of those quirky little things. Rom started on the north last year and I believe set the course record in round one, shot 62. They're starting on the north, so I agree with both of you. I definitely would lean Rom. Round one, if you you can probably get a decent three ball number on him, but those won't come out until uh, until sometime tomorrow. I wonder why that makes it because playing you would think playing the hardest course first would not be advantageous. Well, and I, I don't know. I would think so. There was a similar little court last week where people who had started on La Quinta had won. I don't know how many t- tournaments in a row, but because of the rotation for it's kind of noise because a lot of the best players started in La Quinta because those they wanted to have the biggest names on the stadium course on Saturday for TV. So it makes sense that if the best players are starting on this course, they're probably going to win. But I, I think there was a advantage to playing the stadium course on Saturday and again on Sunday and playing it back to back. Now Landry threw that off. And he won. I think he started on the stadium course, and they didn't play till Sunday. I would think seeing the South three days in a row would would help you, as opposed to seeing it on Thursday, playing a different course on Friday, then coming back on Saturday. But that has not been the case. Hmm. Okay. Um. Yeah, that's good to know. I guess is Jack was it Jack's birthday today or yesterday, uh, Tuesday or Monday? I think it was today. I saw a bunch of people mention him. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about Jack, but I do want to bring out my favorite Jack Nicholas um, stat that I posted to our Twitter. It blows my mind every time I see it. Um, we talk about DJ and Rory and the elite drivers of the golf ball, and they are elite drivers of the golf ball, and one could argue that they're as good as anybody. Um, however, I always like to bring up that Jack Nicholas, as a 43-year-old, was third on tour in total driving. At the same age, Tiger was 63rd and Phil was 138th. You will never, and I repeat never, see a 43-year-old be top five in total driving ever again. It is never going to happen. That is incredible. Uh, He was probably playing the same type of driver that he was playing 15 years prior to that, and he was the third best driver of the golf ball on tour as a 43-year-old for the entire season. That is impossible to fathom i mean we marvel at dj driving the ball so well as like a whatever he is 34 or 5 year old compared to these young guys 
and he's not going to be the third best driver of the golf ball in seven years. I can assure you of that. Uh, unbelievable stat. Um, would be hard to imagine anybody statistically being a better driver of the golf ball than Jack. Obviously, I never watched him hit drives in his prime, so I can't tell you what it looked like. But according to everybody that did, it was quite impressive. Um, changed the game, high ball hitter, the way he went about um, researching courses and having strategy and all that kind of stuff. Just, just kind of changed everything. So, you know, whatever. Happy birthday to Jack. I guess everybody's uh, been – you see the Johnny Miller videos popped up 100 times a day, which is also incredible where he makes that putt, that like – 90 foot putt at that one weird course. If you haven't seen that video, it's it's a great one too. Uh, but anyways, right, I'll give you I'll give you two Jack Nicholas stats that uh, that throw the first one that always threw me off when I read it was that he had 19 second place finishes at majors. So 18 wins, 19 runner up. I mean, he could easily have 30 major. I mean, you know, golf's a lot of. I mean, I don't know how many a of those of he luck. lost, but more than a couple of strokes. Yeah. So I mean, he could. I mean, dude could have five, six more majors. All right, this stat, I got to read it because it's ridiculous. All right, 1970 to 1980, that's 11 seasons, 44 majors. He missed one cut, and he finished in the top 10 38 out of 44 times. I, I mean, you'll never, that's not even really possible. I mean, I, the driving stuff, like, you know, there's there's a lot of people will tell you that when you hit with Hickory versus the, the drivers now, the best ball strikers are obviously going to excel to the top where now you don't have to be as precise. So it makes sense that the best ball striker of all time or one, you know, is going to be going to, going to be going to be right there when you're playing with that equipment. Now there's so many guys that can pop like that, but this is against against the, the competition he was playing against tons of hall of fame guys. I mean, that, that was not a weak area era of golf and just, I mean, 38 out of 44 top tens. I mean, I don't know how many top tens and majors Tiger has first career, but it might not be thirty eight. I could look it up. I mean, that's that's just a pretty uh, pretty impressive. Uh, it's just not impressive, like unbelievable, like Cy unbelievable. Young wins type thing, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and his era was not as deep as this era, but the great players in his era were as great as any great players in this era, and as great as any great players ever. And he had to play those guys, and unlike Tiger's area era. Lee Trevino showed up and beat Jack in majors, and Tom Watson showed up and beat Jack in majors. They didn't just cower. <laughs> the best players in Tiger's era just cowered. He he got challenged by a bunch of nobodies that weren't scared of him because they were nobodies and they had nothing to lose. The Lee Trevinos, the Tom Watsons, those guys, you know, battled and beat him several times. And, you know, to have that kind of consistency and longevity – the longevity and the consistency is what the mo is the most thing about Jack. You can argue that Tiger's more dynamic, whatever. You can argue any of that stuff, but the dominance that he displayed over—I mean, he, he beat Tiger in '98 at Augusta, a year after Tiger won the Masters. And how old was he then? I mean, uh, 58 years old, probably 60 years old. I mean, uh, that's that's absurd. I mean, we talk about Tiger coming back now and beating Spieth and Ricky Fowler and all that stuff. He came back and beat. 98 tiger as a 58 year old at augusta so incredible player um not many you know just 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 absurd you start looking through his stats like steve said it's like looking at wilt chamberlain's stats or you know any of yeah. any of that it's just you can't it's not going to happen again so so i looked it up because it just curious 38 top tens in that 11 year span from 70 to 80 tiger woods how many top tens do you think he has in his whole career he's got 15 wins how many top tens I'm I'm looking at it, so I won't get it. Forty-one. Oh wow! I mean, seven seven runner seven runner up, which is still pretty strong. I mean, that's pretty strong. But I mean, sure, so, yeah. so Tiger Woods, who I would say, if you just ask me in a bar after five drinks, Tiger Woods is better than Jack. Screw you! I don't care what you say. But when you look at those stats, and Tiger's got a good five six years to pad him a little bit, but that's uh, that's not even close. I mean, it's 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 it, like you said, it's a Will Chamberlain type deal. Um, yeah, cool. cool, cool, cool. I think Jack's an old, uh, an old crusty uh, loser, and I hate his golf courses. But um, greatest golf golfer of all time, I think it's pretty undeniable. That. Yeah. Well, so far, Tiger, Tiger's got time to eclipse. I mean, if he wins more majors than him and has more tournaments, then he'd pass him. I don't think he's going to catch him in majors. But if he can get close, there's there's always going to be an argument. 
Tiger has a better all-around game than Jack. I don't know who would argue that. Tiger's short game is better than Jack's ever was. Jack's just longevity and consistency. Tiger can't match that. Tiger was hot, you know, hot like nobody's been hot, and then just wasn't able to sustain it as long as Jack. That's why he's got those unbelievable, you know, never – you'll never win that argument. They're both great. Um, Anyways. And let's not write off Scott Piercy. He's still young, too. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes yes he is well it's that's all i got golf wise um steve I, like we have mentioned to y'all on the podcast um steve has a knack for calling big things this podcast in general has kind of a knack for predicting the future i've been seeing a lot of wrestling stuff pop up uh gout stuff even on golf twitter because yeah. yeah it's not something i've always associated golf with anyways um but Steve talked a little bit about South Carolina beating Kentucky. And, you know, what do you know, Steve, you want to talk about what happened if people might have missed that? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I told you all year that uh, the gout master, Frank Martin, uh, we have a just a completely underwhelming, uh, very limited, talented uh, basketball team. But I said, yeah, we're going to go, you know, 17 and 15, and we won't quite make the tournament, but we'll have all these big wins. We've now beaten Virginia and Kentucky. And I told you we beat Kentucky at least once, possibly twice. I, I mean, we pretty much, I mean, we handed them their ass that game. Yeah, yeah we needed a lucky uh, bank-in buzzer beater to beat them. But, uh, yeah, uh, again, just listen. Just skip forward to the last 10 minutes of this podcast, and that's where you really need to throw down your bets. No offense to you, Fats, and all the research you do. I just uh, got this uncanny intuition for random, weird bullshit that could happen. So. Yeah. None taken, and the my biggest fear is coming true in that my Tigers had a very rough week, and now the Gout King is coming to the Plains tomorrow ready to break that Gout foot off in that Tiger ass, and I am not looking forward to it. Like If, you, if your team is struggling to score points the way Auburn did last week, if your team is just struggling in general, a Frank Martin squad is not who you want to see coming to the gym because win or lose, they're going to beat the crap out of you. And it's just not a good way to get your confidence up and get back on track against those guys. Uh, so uh, I I feel like Auburn will play well tomorrow because they play better at home, but uh this could turn into a tailspin very quickly if if the Gout King works his magic tomorrow. I'll I'll pick a winner right now. Did you usually got to answer one question for me? Is Auburn ranked? Yes. Then we win. Sorry, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, you're, I, you're done. I, I think we we dropped from like five to sixteen because college basketball, as I've said plenty of times, is an objectively terrible product, and my my worst fear has come true and that Auburn is no longer a shining beacon of hope, a a beautiful uh, swan swimming in all these ugly ducklings of college basketball. Now we're just another average college basketball team. It's miserable to watch, but it's just a blip on the radar. Uh, We'll be back next year. What's the coach's handshake uh, look like? I mean, that's pretty strong. I think Bruce and Frank, I believe, are good friends. They got it. Uh, they, they, there's a lot of chest slapping in those post-game handshakes. Uh, it, it's not like a quick, just like run past each other. Like they always dap each other. Like Under Armour schools, they've got to stay together. They dap each other up nice after the games. I, I'm sure they get along wonderfully. I'm, I'm personally am very excited to watch both, both watch that game. Um, I've actually kept up with both of y'all's teams from all the podcasting we've been talking about. Tech played terrible tonight, lost to TCU. Do not care. They're looking forward to Saturday in Kentucky. Just got tickets last minute, so I'll be in Lubbock watching that game. Should be a raucous environment for sure. That uh, The arena gets quite loud in Lubbock, especially in in an environment like that. So that well, will be fun. There'll be at least at least thirty three percent Kentucky fans. You won't understand how they came, where they were. They might just be they might just be like literally like concessions workers that just came out of the. They, there will be thirty three percent blue in your stadium. It's everywhere in the nation they go. It's okay. Ridiculous. Good. Well, looking forward to it. Hope you know. Hopefully they you know stay nice. <laughs> Don't throw the shine at me or whatever they do over there. So it it'll be a wild night. It'll be fun. Fun time in Lubbock. So. 
I got nothing else to say. Anybody got anything else? Just, uh, you know, the gout is coming to the plains, and um, I'm sure you guys have some salty food you could throw down our way. I feel bad that we're going to take another team down. I think Frank Martin, uh, he hasn't really said it out loud, but he wants to have the best resume in the history of the NIT. And uh, we're <laughs> headed in that direction. Uh, all right. That's all I got. Fats, anything? No. Um, SEC Big 12 Challenge, so we'll see what happens this week. Okay. Well, hey, and hey, tell your guys, I know how they like to do it in the Big 12. Get you, Keep their asses out of the stands, man. That's I right. Mean, no, he, no chair swinging. You can't be popping fans or players or whatever it is they were doing over there in Kansas uh, this weekend. Kansas, Kansas people. My my football brothers, thanks to Patrick Mahomes, but I've got to uh, shake my head in disgust at him uh, this week for letting me. When know. I heard about this earlier, I said this to a guy who told me. I said, "Listen, that Kansas Kansas State rivalry is intense. It's kind of like Carolina and Clemson, except there's even less shit to do in Kansas." <laughs> That's exactly so right. <laughs> they got nothing better to do. <laughs> All right, that's it. We'll see you all next week.